This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Interviews. Welcome, Toma, to News Laundry podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know uh, Toma, well, most of you would know him because one of his pieces in Medium went quite viral. And I think you wrote that first uh, piece on Medium on March 10th. And um, right. around March 13th, the global coronavirus cases were around 145K. And uh, I think yesterday or today, it almost doubled to about 390K. So since the time that you wrote the piece to now, we've seen almost a, more than a double increase in global cases. I just wanted to start ask, start with asking you, what about this virus caught your attention? Because um, if we see in the beginning, especially in the Western world, in the US or UK, everyone was really downplaying it. And it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't such a big deal as it's become now. So what got you thinking about it? What got you writing that post? I, I, I work in, a, in, in growth. I used to be an analyst in growth and, and, and now I, I manage a billion dollar business in growth. And what we look for is always um, exponential growth. And we understand it well, we model it, model it well. So when, when, when we identify it in the real life, we understand what the consequences are. We, we, we know what's gonna happen immediately, mm-hmm. very, very soon after. And so I, I, I was, um, I, I like a lot of people who work in tech, uh, in growth, uh, in Silicon Valley, in India, anywhere, we, we understood when we looked at the numbers, what they meant. Um, and so early on, I just started tracking it. Um, mm-hmm. But what- Were you tracking uh, it from back is, in December when it first hit, like when there was news no, no, in no, China? Not really, actually. Or, or was it something else? Not really, just just from uh, February, um, end end of January, beginning of February is when I really started focusing on it, and it's um, you didn't you didn't need much more than that. As soon as you you look at the numbers and the daily growth rates, you understand where mm-hmm. this is gonna go, um, and I assumed early on um, that everybody understood uh, where this was going, uh, but very quickly it was clear that that was not the case. Um, so I started posting on Facebook uh, a few analyses and people loved uh, loved them. So I started posting every day, more and more people started following me. And uh, one day one of my friends said, hey, I, I, need, I need you to package this for for a group of um, of um, tech entrepreneurs that I'm working uh, with to convince them uh, that this is serious. So I just put together everything I had written on Facebook mm. on one post, and that's the medium post. And so I okay. never imagined it would it would get to the level of um, success it had. I thought it would be a few thousand, a few tens of thousands of people, maybe, but uh, but not a few tens of millions. Mm. In fact, I think, yeah, I think you got a lot of response from India because I think, and for many journalists, including myself, this was one of the first posts that made us kind of sit up because it still hadn't hit India really. And I think we were going through the same thing that a lot of other countries were going through that, oh, it's just not going to happen here. It's just something that's happening in China or in, you know, for us in Italy or in the Western world, which um, uh, brings me to my next question. Now, there's a lot of talk 
in Asian countries and South Asian countries and African countries about the fact that the virus seems to be more virulent and seems to have a higher strike rate in developed countries. And uh, it seems like it's, you know, taking a toll in the US, UK, Spain, Italy, and that doesn't seem to be really happening with Africa and India. Uh, I know you're not a scientist, but what is your, I mean, why do you think that is so, uh, so far, if you look at the math of it? Yeah, the, the first question I would ask is, are you testing? No, not um, really. Because obviously you can only see mm. what you test. Mm. We aren't testing enough. There's a lot of criticism about not testing enough. Yeah, That's right. I think uh, uh, last week when I looked at this, at the end of last week, um, uh, India had 14,000 tests mm. in total. Yeah. And that's that's really nothing. Uh, uh, um, and so one of the things that happens is you can see mm. most of the wealthiest uh, countries in the world and East Asia countries um, with a heavy amount of cases, but both of these are the countries that are testing the most. And so my my uh, my first hypothesis is this is everywhere already. Uh, we just don't know it. Mm. Um, there's a couple more like other factors I think important are important. Western countries are usually a bit more connected with regards to travel. Um, mm. And so it is possible that they had more cases. It's also mm. true, or it's believed to be true, that um, warmer and more humid countries um, um, reduce the transmission rate. Mm. So it is possible that, indeed, it was a bit more uh, slow to get to these countries. But but I think for me, the, the, the best guess is, no, it's everywhere. Countries have just not realized it because they're not testing. Mm. Um, and so that's that's one of the reasons why I think it's so important that most countries are cautious, like India has been, uh, by taking strong measures, even if the number of um, official cases is not too high. Okay. So you uh, you probably know that India is in a lockdown now. We're in a second day of the lockdown and it's going to go on for the next uh, 20 days till April 15th. And one of your recent posts, um, basically, I think after the first post, you wrote another post where you're basically looking at the different ways of dealing with the virus and you kind of compare uh, herd immunity to suppression. Um, I want to first get your thoughts on herd immunity because there's a lot of talk about, you know, how... Uh, there's a lot of fatalism around this and a lot of people are saying that we actually have no way around it. Uh, the only way around it is that you get herd immunity uh, or till, you t till the time that you get a vaccine. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, so let, let, let's analyze um, this um, um, mitigation strategy. Um, to understand it well, we actually need to, to compare it to a situation where we don't do, do anything. So let's actually start with that. What happens if we don't do anything? Um, for us to get to herd immunity, we need you need at least fifty percent of the population um, carrying this. Um, so we can take an example with with India. Um, so India has now what what one point three billion people. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have fifty percent of them who um, who get this, that's uh, six hundred fifty million uh, people. Um, when 650 million people get sick with this, and 15% usually, one five, 15% of, of uh, these people require hospitalization. Mm. So that's uh, that means that broadly speaking, you need you have 100 million Indians that suddenly need hospitalization. Wow. 
that's a that's a lot <laughs> and and what is the fertility i mean in this in this scenario that you're talking about that say 100 million people land up in hospitals um what is the fertility scenario so you have 100 million people are going to the hospital and, and the reason why i'm highlighting that is because uh, if you have 100 million people going to the hospital um you, you your entire uh, healthcare system collapses they can't cope with yeah. anything yeah india certainly can't yes and and so usually the fatality rate when that happens is around 5% so if you have uh, 4 to 5% so if you have 650 million people and 5% of them uh, are going to die you end up having 30 million people dying so so this is mm. the back of the envelope yeah. numbers for india if you don't do anything mm. you can have 30 million people die now the second strategy mm. is is okay let, let's do something let's do mitigation uh right and 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 mm. mitigation uh is trying to just is basically the same thing except that instead of having such a huge peak very early on is trying to smooth out this a little bit is pushing back this Flat huge the peak is what people are saying that's right exactly right mm. but 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 we need to understand like this uh, we're talking about that if you don't do anything just to get herd immunity you, you get 30 million deaths in a country like 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 india now uh, uh, for mm. mitigation the th the issue is how equipped is india to deal with maybe not um uh, 65 uh, uh, 65 million um hospitalizations but what about 30 million 20 million 10 million 5 million none of them uh, in a country like india and nearly all uh, countries are similar none of them can handle any level of capacity like this a country like the us mm. or uk have 5% of the capacity that they need to cover a peak so you have you would have to flatten the curve 20 times for the healthcare system to um to be able to cope with it oh by the way mm. uh, uh this is not the only deaths that would happen because there's uh it's not just the coronavirus deaths if you have a heart attack today you might go to the hospital in a few minutes and you go to an er if you have a heart attack during coronavirus there's no uh, uh um no assets for you there's no ambulances there's no er and you also die i think one of the yeah scary things in this scenario would also be that uh what we are seeing over the world is that people with already say diabetes or hypertension are vulnerable and if you have a country like india where we have the second highest population of diabetics it could mean a lot worse because of those people uh, i mean what you're talking about here you're we're we're thinking we're going with the assumption that these are mostly healthy people who get the coronavirus but if you go in with the assumption that a lot of your population has hypertension a lot of them are diabetic or have other respiratory issues it could mean much worse uh, is that something that you factored in 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 what you've been writing for sure the 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 vast majority of the people who die are are, are older people and people with comorbidities people with diabetes heart mm. issues lung issues for sure i think that the the, the the there's a couple of um consequences that are drawn from this that are wrong uh, one of them is okay let's just put these people basically in a hole for months or a year and um and uh and then we'll get and everybody else can get this mm -hmm. and and we'll be good the problem is you can't isolate these people uh, uh if you have mm -hmm. them from the rest of the community because who's going to care uh, take care of them right uh the workers are you going to also isolate them no because they have their families and their kids so are you going to keep the kids out of school too 
are you going to have their partners also leave their job? Mm. Um, so it's not possible. The people who work with them are part of the community. So if the rest of the community catches it, these workers are going to catch it. And if they catch it, the older communities and the com communities with com comorbidities will catch it. So that's the mm. first thing I would say. The second mm. thing I would say is it is true that the, that the fatality rate for younger, healthy people is lower. Um, it's around 0.2%. It is 20 okay. times higher than the flu. So the flu uh, mm. uh, fatality rate is around 0.01% for uh for young and healthy people so these these kills 20 times more than the flu across the board in all ages and so out of this three like 35 million uh, uh indians that could die there's hundreds of thousands or even millions of them that could be uh, uh young and healthy mm. so you were um, talking about uh, flattening the curve before i interrupted you with my question <laughs> yes yeah so the the Mitigation strategy um, tries to flatten the curve a little bit. It is, hey, it's trying to say, hey, we don't want that peak. So let's take some measures that are going to reduce the peak and push it a few, a few, a few weeks. Um, so the, the, the first thing that I highlighted is that's not going to do nothing to alleviate the healthcare system. The healthcare system is still going to be completely overwhelmed. Um, the second thing is, every time I hear a, a country saying that, they also, at the same time, are not taking very uh, uh, very strong measures uh, early on. They're saying, oh, eventually we'll get, it, we'll, we'll get there, but they're not doing anything. But if you want to mitigate, you, want to, you, you need to do it now. And also, there's a few uh, specific measures that are obvious things to do in any circumstance, which are cheap measures, um, um, that every country should be doing. Those are testing, contact tracing, quarantines, isolation, and hygiene education. So, mm -hmm. so let me quickly go through these. Testing we discussed, right? If you don't test, you're blind. You don't know how many cases there are. You don't know who is uh, uh, who is sick. So, so this continues spreading um, in the community. You need to be uh, testing nearly everybody. If you're not doing this, you're not controlling this, and you're going to have a, a massive outbreak. Uh, you, you then need to uh, isolate these people. If you're sick, you need to get into a room and not leave for weeks. Um, you also want to do contact tracing, which is it's not just you. All the people who you have been in contact over the last week or two, um, uh, you need to know who they are. And these people need to get into quarantine because many of them mm. are likely to be, uh, to be, to be uh, uh, sick too. Uh, and then on top of that, you need everybody in the community to learn to wash their hands, to not shake hands, to uh, not kiss each other, uh, to keep a distance of a couple of meters from each other, and so on and so forth. And so all of these things, which are the basics uh, to control this epidemic, these are the things that uh, most East Asian countries that have the experience with SARS have done and have done well. These are the reasons why they were able to control it even without locking down their economies. So you need to be doing this. And even the companies who, even the countries who say we need mitigation are not doing this. And so uh, as a result, the, the countries that say they're doing mitigation really are not doing anything and are going to have a massive outbreak. So you're saying that simply a lockdown can't help. Basically, you, you, you can't just lock down and expect things to work. They're, what you're saying is that you, along with that, you need these other strategies. A simple lockdown is yeah, not so, going to so, It'll buy you time, but eventually it'll 
burden your healthcare system. Yes, uh, I, uh, that's right. And so, and so for most of our, uh, most countries outside of East Asia, for all these countries that don't have experience, nearly all of them have been caught um, without experience and without understanding the, the, the threat and for uh, too late for them yeah. to really control it. And they need to learn to do mm. all of this. And the only way to buy themselves time to learn to do all of this mm. is with suppression. So what is suppression? What suppression says is, look, this is out of control. I have no experience mm. how to handle this. Um, I don't mm. know where the cases are. I don't know what to do about it. So what I'm going to do is be pretty aggressive right now. I'm going to um, massively uh, reduce physical contact between people. Uh, so that's social distancing mm. or, or what the World Health Organization now calls physical distancing. Uh, uh, they want, um, and so that means um, travel bans, obviously. It means closing schools. It means closing a lot closing of working borders. places. Mm. Well, that's right, travel bans. That's what I meant. But, but yes, you're right. Uh, closing borders might be a better mm. uh, way to put it. Um, uh, closing businesses, working from home when possible. Uh, up all the way to the Italian and Chinese version, which are you stay at home, most industries are closed, and uh, you can only leave um, once a day or once every three days uh, uh, and just to buy food or go to the doctor. Right? So so those, these are the most aggressive uh, measures. Those, those are the ones that reduce the transmission rate dramatically and to kill this um, epidemic um, within a few weeks. And, and your goal is first and foremost to kill the epidemic, but you're not going to be killing it completely. You, the other thing that you're doing is buying yourself time. If you have a few weeks and you, under, you understand the gravity, now you can get ready to get some tests, to set up a, an, an organization to do contact tracing, um, to educate mm -hmm. the, the public, and to understand better maybe treatments, maybe to uh, increase the healthcare capacity for your, for your, for your system, um, maybe understand better what measures uh, have a higher um, uh, impact on reducing transmission rates and which ones don't work. So all of this is what, uh, uh, what the suppression uh, gives you. It's not just the suppression, the immediate suppression, it's the ability to control it in the future. And so the, the number one fear that people have w w with the th suppression, there's two fears. One is how long does it last? And the second one is, isn't there going to be an outbreak afterwards? So the length uh, we can tell from China, from South Korea, and from Italy who have gone through this is within a couple of weeks, the number of new cases starts going down. And within a few okay. more weeks... Uh, the, 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 the outbreak uh, uh, seems controlled. So anything between six, seven, eight weeks, uh, it looks like the number of new cases is really, 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 really low. And so that's what the extent of, of what we're talking about. Is that happening in Italy? Are we seeing a reduction in the number of new cases? Like in, in places like Italy, yeah, is that so, happening? So that's right. The, on, on, on Monday, the start, the, I think it was on Monday, the, the cases start going down. And they, they went get down for a couple of days. They went up a little bit, but the, the key there is the exponential rate that they had of growth was cut. So I don't know. I haven't looked at the, 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 the numbers for yesterday, but uh, um, nearly exactly just two weeks after they took the measures, it started going down. 
two weeks is also what it took mm. in uh, in China, and two weeks is what it took in South Korea. And what we need to understand is is why is it two weeks? Um, it's two weeks because usually the transmission rate is around two and a half people for every person that you that you infect um, uh, that is infected. They infect two and a half more people, um, and so if suddenly you reduce that, you 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 have suppression. Then you only infect zero three people or something like that. Zero three, zero five depends on the measures, um, and and that infection uh, usually is around. Uh, you 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 can infect other people for two weeks approximately usually. Mm. So uh, <laughs> what happens is if you stay home, the only people that you infect are basically just your the people from your from your home, and that's it. And so if you lock it down. Mm. It dramatically reduces the, uh, the number of people that, that that you can infect, and within two weeks, that's it. You 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 you've passed the sickness, and uh, and then most of that sickness is now dying down. So there's one query that I have now with regard to India's lockdown. Uh, now self quarantine or being in the house is um, it's doable if you're a developed country. But if you look at India, uh, most Indians uh, share a room. Sometimes families of five share one room. Um, it's also true that many communities or many uh, housing societies—I mean, they're not housing societies, but they're unauthorized colonies—entire um, communities share bathrooms. So social distancing is also something that the rich can afford, or richer nations can afford. But when you have a country like India or other Asian countries, maybe countries in Africa, it's really tough for communities to completely self-isolate. So, I mean, uh, what happens in that situation? Does it still help a lockdown like this? Or what, what does it have to be accompanied with? Because I'm guessing it'll still help because you don't crowd the markets and all, but home... Uh, I hear you. Here's here's the situ- what happens. You... You're right that there's much more density, um, even within families, um, in in uh, countries that are um, um, developing more than the Western countries. But uh, what we need to understand is most of the population today doesn't have this, and so um, when you when you put everybody in quarantine, most of the uh, families that are in quarantine do not have somebody infected, and as a result, will not be infected. Um, mm-hmm. What will happen is that the ones who are, are infected are likely to transmit it to their families. Um, and so what happens mm-hmm. is, imagine that you have one person in a household and there's six other people in that household. Uh, it is possible that around, let's imagine that three more people get infected. These people are gonna be infected. Yeah. They would have been infected regardless, and uh, what they get is infected within a few days, and then they run the sickness for a couple of weeks, and then that's it. And so mm-hmm. that infection stayed stays within the household uh, until it, until it dies off. That is uh, how it works. Okay. Okay. Perfect. And um, just as, as an offshoot to this. Um, one of the concerns that people have expressed with lockdowns, I mean, it's this is not related to controlling the virus or whatever, but it's more sort of a philosophical uh, problem that people have raised is the curtailing of liberties. There's a fear that the pandemic and the fear around it can be used by authoritarian governments to control people or, or, or that this control can outlast the virus itself. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's exaggerated or do you think that's 
something we shouldn't worry about right now? There, there are definitely ways to help control the virus uh, in a way that gives more control to the state. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you two examples. Uh, one of them is there are apps, especially in China, that um, track um, where you are to understand. Um, uh, uh, for example, you were in a certain train uh, at a certain time. And so that app mm-hmm. uh, recorded that um, and knows as a result, everybody else who was in the train and for contact tracing is perfect. They know exactly who they need to isolate. Um, another example exactly. is in Poland, where they have an application um, that you can either not have this application uh, if you're in quarantine, mm-hmm. you either not have this application and then the police can go and check every now and then to make sure that you're at home, or you download the application and you prove every now and then when, they, when the application prompts you that you're at home. So, so these are uh, a couple of examples. Um, and what I would say is, uh, we have right now an immediate and urgent problem and we need to solve it today. Uh, mm. And so we need to, and, and tools like that can help and we should use them. Uh, I think a different issue is um, what should we do after that? And, and those are, I would say, um, countries that are not very democ- democratic that uh, would have used this anyway, they didn't, they didn't need this excuse. Uh, to be to be extremely mm. authoritarian and, and invasive. And they'll find another way. I mean, they don't need the coronavirus, is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. Like China was already doing it. I think for other countries, um, it is up to us, once this is done, to demand that this control is, is withdrawn. Um, and, I, and, and I think that is going to be the key. We need it today, so let's have it today. But let's also keep our leaders accountable to make sure that this is not uh, something that uh, uh, continues unabatedly. Okay. So two quick uh, last questions. One is um, there are uh, people who are um, still, I mean, if you look look at a lot of articles, there are people who are kind of optimistic about this and saying that, okay, it's going to end and there's just too much exaggeration in the media and the way that, uh, a lot of countries have moved quickly to impose lockdowns and to fight it and to take it seriously. We're going to probably see uh, not, you know, the corona not inflicting a big damage. And then there's a really doomsday prediction that this is going to lead to lots of death. It's going to lead to complete crumbling, maybe uh, even, you know, change and it could even alter the world that we live in. So where do you stand? I mean, you've been looking at it since Feb. You've probably seen you know, some of the changes that have happened since you wrote those two pieces. Uh, what what are you, are you hopeful or do you think it's going to go crazy from here on? <laughs> it's a big project. Yeah. As a rule of thumb, I am a pessimist for the short term <laughs> and an optimist for the long okay. term. Uh, a pessimist for the long term, uh, for, for the short term, because um, as I was mentioning before, most countries uh, completely underreacted too little too late. Um, but I'm an optimistic. Uh, I'm optimist for the long term uh, for a few reasons. Number one is there will be at some point a treatment and or a vaccine, and uh, mm-hmm. we can use that massively to just eliminate uh, uh, this. So so we will be okay. Uh, we can also look at uh, other pandemics in the past to see what happens after the pandemic, and nearly always the market goes back to where it was. 
So it's not like, for example, 2008 depression that has a massive teeth and uh, um, we, we never went back to the level of the economic development that, that we would have had without it. Here is just you go back to wherever you would have been after that dip. Um, th there, there will be some changes probably of society, uh, such as it is likely that um, we will be like whenever somebody coughs, they're gonna go home instead of continue working. And maybe mm -hmm. we don't uh, do handshakes as much and things like that. So there will be some changes to society, but they don't need to be changes that substantially reduce our quality of life. It's going to take some time to get there because you need a treatment or a vaccine. Um, but even then, even in the meantime, um, uh, most East Asian countries have been able to control this with uh, these key measures of testing, contact tracing, quarantines, isolation, hygiene education, and some travel bans and closing some borders in some cases. Um, so, so, so you can do this even without a vaccine in a reasonable way. So what's going to happen over the next few months? All the countries that have the hammer uh, now and then are better equipped to, to deal with it, they will probably have the measures that I just mentioned, probably some other measures too, such as big social gatherings are going to be banned for, for, for uh, some time until we have a vaccine. Right? So sports, uh, big sports events, big weddings and things like that are probably going to be How uh, long do you foresee this? Uh, like how, how long do you think we're going to have this sort of a lockdown situation? So the lockdown is just a few weeks. The hammer, the hammer period really? yeah, is just a few weeks. Bec uh, uh, but okay. then after that, after that, uh, this dense period, uh, which is around with, with, with softer measures, that will last until we have a treatment or a vaccine. So that will be months. But during those months, we will have, we might, we have limitations in, in big social gatherings. There might be some um, travel bans too, because um, we, you don't want um, people from a country that does not control this well to travel to a, a, a country that is doing a lot of efforts to, uh, to control this. So there will be, for mm -hmm. a year or so, a lot of uh, border closures and travel bans. Um, and then once we have the, the, the vaccine, then things are going to be released. Hmm. Okay. And my last question was, so uh, there would, I'm sure you've got some criticism about the fact that you're, you're not really an um, epidemiologist. Uh, so, you know, so there would be people who wouldn't want to take your projections seriously. What would you say to them? I mean, why why should we take someone seriously who's not an epidemiologist? <laughs> you shouldn't. You you. I'm I'm just okay. a normal guy. <laughs> I'm an analyst. Um, and and you should mm -hmm. not listen to me because of who I am. As a rule of thumb, you should never listen to anybody just because of who they are, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and cool. and so, but uh, uh, people should listen if they want to listen to me is because they look at the data. They look at the sources, they understand what I'm saying, they understand why I'm saying it, they use their own judgment and they reach their own conclusions. So uh, uh, that's my first point. It's two, two, three more points. Uh, the second one is uh, I happen to have a skill set that, 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 that helped for this. I have two masters in science and engineering. I'm very, very analytical and quantitative. Um, I, mm -hmm. I used to work as a consultant 
where I had to go very deep, very fast in new companies and new industries to understand them well. Um, I created a lot of viral applications that grew in the tens of millions of users. And the dynamics and the modeling of these viral applications is really the same as in real life. Um, and, and, and now I, I, I lead a billion dollar business, which uh, is critical to help make decisions under uncertainty, which is what we need to do today. So I'm not mm. the only one. Uh, so, 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 so that's that's why I was able to put just put together this analysis. And if you want to listen to 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 somebody uh, that has some authority, I actually have a post um, sharing my endorsements. Um, and so there's mm. hundreds of people who've endorsed this. Um, there's epidemiologists. There's virologists. There is. Mm. Okay. Um, uh, thinkers such as Tim Berners-Lee or Steven Pinker. Um, there are ex-politicians uh, like the uh, former um, president of Colombia, Alvaro Uribe, the former president of the uh, prime minister of Israel, Ehud Barak. So there's, there's many of these people who've endorsed the message. And, and, and then to show that the, the, the fallibility of the experts too, two weeks ago I was on TV um, with a, a UK epidemiologist who was defending the official um, uh, position of the UK government, uh, which was mitigation. And I was strongly mm. opposed to him. And then it turned out that I was the one who was right. And 10 days later, they, they, uh, they followed uh, the recommendations that people like me were supporting and they shut down the country, uh, reverting the position of their top official epidemiologists. So I would say uh, this is a situation that's new for a lot of people, including epidemiologists, because many of them model this mathematically, but they don't have the real life experience. And so the only thing that I'm doing is looking around the world, see what has happened in some places to predict what will happen in other places. Uh, and that's what my posts are. So, so yes, definitely don't listen to me. Uh, look at the arguments, <laughs> and if you want to believe to uh, believe somebody, just look at the endorsements. Are you happy with uh, how uh, the U.S. is finally uh, acting on this? Since you're based there, what do you think about what's happening there? Are you satisfied with uh, the measures that are being taken? Because they seem to have finally like woken up no. and taken it very seriously. No. The the, the U.S. is yeah. in the trajectory of being the country that is worst hit by uh, the coronavirus anywhere in the world. Um, really? They have today, yes, they, they have today, mm. um, they have as of today, 75,000 cases. By tomorrow, they will pass China, except that they're growing mm. at a massive uh, rate still in the US. Why is that? Because most, um, uh, because the federal government has done nothing to limit this. And the states are uncoordinated. They don't know what to do. Um, mm. It also became a political issue uh, because uh, uh, the Republicans um, uh, had a, an approach that was more focused on the economy. Uh, and so most of the uh, uh, Republicans are not, uh, politicians have been much slower to pay attention to this uh, than their Democratic counterparts. And so now, as of two days ago, there were 13 U.S. states that had more cases than Hubei when Hubei closed down. 
So the U.S. has mm-hmm. at least more, at least thirteen Hubei's, probably more, and they don't even know about it because the case, the the, the testing is is very low. So we're like the the situation in the U.S. is dire. I would say the situation in the U.S. is the worst of the world right now, uh, and there's still no vis- visibility on any federal measures. Um, and 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 if you don't have centralized measures at the at the at the um, federal level. A lot of bad things happen. Like, for example, right now states are competing against each other for um, uh, for masks and for ventilators and things like that, and uh, they all trying to get them from China, for example. And so China is then bidding uh, uh, prices uh, between different states, um, and um, there's also no coordination. You might have a Manufacturing plant in 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 in, in uh, somewhere in the United States that says, "Hey, I can create some masks," but they don't know where to go because there's no centralized mm-hmm. uh, place to control everything and say, "Yes, you should you should produce it. Here's some money for this. Here are some designs, and once they're ready, I'm going to take care of that." That centralized mm-hmm. service uh, exists nearly everywhere in the world, but the U.S. doesn't have it. And so it's just it's just a nightmare right now. Mm. Okay, thank you so much for speaking to us. Uh, that was lovely and enlightening, and I hope our listeners would uh, take back some interesting points from that. And uh, stay safe. Thank you. Stay stay safe. Bye. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.